I'm trying to create practice patterns and habits for people that you can't ignore, but it's so brainwashed into these basic sequences that don't work for 90% of people. And so I really am trying to help evolve where the movement side of yoga is going mm-hmm. to a more functional standard that can meet people where they are. That's Patrick Beach, and this is the Yoga Live podcast. Hello, and welcome back. I hope you had a nice week. This week, I have with me none other than Mr. Patrick Beach. So, last weekend, I spent the whole weekend uh, uh, a bunch of Patrick's workshops in the yoga hub it was very physically challenging uh, I learned a lot and it was nice to actually go to one of his classes because I've done a lot of his stuff online but I've never met the guy in person or been to any of his classes or workshops so it was brilliant um, then during one of the breaks this is what I do now it seems I asked Patrick if he would be okay with coming to my car in the car park and f- recording a podcast and he was which is really nice of him um, so yeah we, we went into my car it was roasting hot last week as you can probably remember especially in a car and um, we got it done yeah 30 minutes we talked about everything we talked about what it's like being a traveling yoga teacher how that faces different challenges like cultural um challenges and being alone a lot and how to manage that also how to run different business ventures in terms of running his yoga studio and his teacher trainings and everything up to even um starting an eco village or joining an eco village i can't seem to let an episode go now without talking about this eco village idea so um and what i really respect about patrick is Okay, yes, he's brilliant physically and you know, he's a good-looking chap and whatever, that's great. But he's he's an intellectual. He will um, makes very good points, will, has solid opinions, is happy to challenge um, opinions as well and uh, makes us a great conversation. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Um, I'm an even bigger fan of Patrick's now. You know, I, I was lucky enough to spend some time with him on Monday after after the weekend was done myself and him went climbing we went to get a brunch together as well and learned a lot about the guy very humble easy to get on with and um, yeah I hope you in, enjoy this conversation if you do please leave five stars on iTunes or Stitcher and enjoy so we should start we can yeah. start with that. Actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's, a, that's a good one. See, we're just kind of rolling in right now. <laughs> yeah, Joe like, Rogan style. Yeah, exactly. It's like whatever happens, happens. <laughs> you know, see see how it goes. So Patrick, yes. it's a very Irish name. It's, I know. As in, as in St. Patrick himself. Yeah. Where does the surname Beach come from? Uh, my dad's side of the family. So, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> uh, I think it is... So, I'm a quarter Italian and then a little bit Dutch... A little bit Irish, a little bit French, I think. Oh. I think those are like my big four. Yeah. So. Where's, where's the Irish in the family? Other side? 
Oh, no, definitely not my mom's. It would be oh. my dad's. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. But you've been, you've been to Ireland quite a few times, haven't you? Yeah, quite a few times. Yeah. What do you think of Dublin? I like Dublin. It's a good city. It's growing. <laughs> Anytime I, every time I come here, there's like more happening. And I ask people about that all the time. And I'm like, it's, the city's growing. It feels like there's a lot more going on. Yeah. And then people are like, no, it's not. I'm like, what do you mean? There's cranes everywhere. What are you oh, talking? growing as in a construction. Construction, and there's like a lot more people yeah. around and stuff. Yeah. Compared to the first time I came, but also recently I've been coming in better weather, so my I'm a little bit jaded. Yeah. <laughs> because well, you now people are outside, right? It's like a very social city. Yeah. You know the there's always people in the bars. There's always people out in the shops. There's always kind of people out and about doing things. It's kind yeah. of, a, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially in yeah. the better weather. Like, just people are out and about. Yeah. So recently, like when I was here in May, the weather was really good. And this time the weather has been really good too. So mm. before when I was coming, I would be coming a bit more in the winter and it was just like lockdown. Oh man. It's tough. <laughs> I, like it's, 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 uh, it, I find in November, December, it's it's because it's dark. It's, it's dark. Yeah. It's the darkness that really. I mean, you live in LA, don't you? I live in LA now. Yeah. Are you from LA? I'm from Seattle, so kind of similar weather to here. Seattle is it rains a lot. Rains it's a kinda lot. Gray kinda kind of gray. Kind of gray. Yeah. It's, it doesn't ever rain hard. It just kind of rains. Yeah. It's like here, but with less shifts and more just gray. <laughs> like for for months, is you just like it's you're like we're in the gray phase. Yeah. And when did you move to LA then? Uh, like two years ago, I think. Okay. Close to. Yeah. yeah. Moving towards two years. LA's, LA's good. Sunshine. Yeah. I needed a change. I needed, uh, I needed to grow. I needed to, um, evolve my perspective and I wanted to be in different environments. I'm from Seattle. I have a lot of support in Seattle. My family lives there. All my best friends live there. And I wanted to do something different because I felt complacent in myself. Mm. But do you drive? You have to, man. There's no choice in LA. So I hear the traffic is. I hear there's one road in, in LA where it's like 16 lanes of traffic. Yeah, sure. LA has, <laughs> is that LA, standard? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes and no. So, so the thing with LA is LA is a massive city. So LA should probably be like 10 different cities, mm. just in terms of how sprawling it is. It's huge. People think of LA as being three places. And they think of it as being Venice and, or Santa, Venice and Santa Monica. That would be like one place. Mm-hmm. They think of it as Hollywood and think of it as downtown. Mm-hmm. That's what people think of LA to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But LA is humongous. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much more than that. And uh, because of it, people are always trying to get all over the place. And that's why there's traffic. But traffic always moves in LA. It's not mm-hmm. like, it's never gridlocked. It just goes slow sometimes. Right. Um when did you start? How old are you? I am. Oh my gosh! This is like the <laughs> sorry, uh, man. No, no, you're. T- I'm. I'm. I'm phased by it. I, this is an age-old question. I'm 33. I just it's turned. Age-old question. Yeah. Well, it was like everyone was always wondering, like, how old are you? Like, it's like one of the. Carling looked it up, and it's like one of it's like the top three or four like Google searches on me. It's like Patrick Beach age. I think what, it's funny. What are the other Google searches? I don't know. Just uh, yoga things, you know, like Patrick Beach yoga, Patrick Beach teaching schedule, Patrick Beach any, teacher training. Any weird ones? I don't know, man. Like, I don't. What does he smell of? Or yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I didn't look at it. It was something that was just funny that came up. Okay. And, and Carlin was like, "Yeah, age is like number four or five. People just want to know." Yeah. So the joke is that always, 
we're always joking because I'm like, I feel like I'm a 90s baby. I say that all the time. Like, I'm a 90s baby. And mm-hmm. and so I'm like, people ask, how old are you? I'm always like 27, 28. That's how, <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, that's like kind of how old I feel. And so I'm like, oh, that's just generally my, how I'm feeling that I am. Because again, it's, it's all relevant to your mindset, right? It's just like... Uh, people all the time because of my travel the people the question I always gets are you tired are you jet lagged are you tired are you jet lagged it's like well i'm not thinking about that until you're trying to condition that into my brain mm. that i am <laughs> you know what i mean uh so i i don't feel that way at all i feel like i have a like i have a, like a strategy to combat jet lag and i do my best mm. to do that and mm. yeah so just go from there when how old were you when you started yoga then I don't know, 20, I started meditating a lot when I was like 20, Mm -hmm. Uh, that was first, and then I started doing practice maybe around 21, yeah, 21, 22. What started you doing uh, doing meditation? Uh, I just found that I was constantly racing to do things, and I was playing a lot of high-level basketball at the time. Oh. And so it was a way for me to step away from the uber competitive energy that you have to have to play at right. those kind of levels. Like you have to like love people and hate people at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. you have to like want to support somebody and beat them. It's re- it's a really weird concept, right? Like like mm-hmm. again, organized sports. Like you you should be pushing your teammates to be better and then also trying to beat them and play together at the same time like it's this really weird conundrum mm-hmm. wouldn't you say absolutely yeah it's it's I, I think but but i think that although i really love yoga i think that um i miss the camaraderie of team sports like yeah. that and i think that competitive nature it i suppose it is slightly destructive isn't it you want to i think it's i think it's both i think it's both i think too much of it is destructive i think some of it is good for you i think that there's so much rhetoric now around like anti-bullying type stuff. And I think it's really funny because there'll always be bullies. There'll always be people that'll push you around. You need to learn how to like stand up to that or avoid it or create compromises in those situations. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think team sports actually creates that. Right. There's, Mm -hmm. I mean, for yoga, I'm pretty well sized, but for basketball, I'm quite small. So Mm -hmm. there's, there was that dichotomy of like how am I going to compete at this level I have to like figure out these solutions to these problems to um to I guess combat the competitiveness of people that are much larger maybe physically better physically stronger faster Mm -hmm. however that is and you have to like strategize your way through through that and I think that's really important for life Mm -hmm. you know like obviously bullying is bad but that but that's not saying that bullying or competitiveness is going away like you need I think especially um you know maybe this this new generation of people or people my age or even males I guess I don't I don't want to say that I don't want to say just males or females I think if you feel like you're a passive person that's a better thing to say like having the having these outlets where you can put yourself forward into the world is really important mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's so easy to sit in your comfort zone of being passive mm-hmm. and let things come to you or sit in your comfort zone and just kind of like observe life going by and not interact in it. Yeah. And you need to find opportunities to put yourself forward and to push yourself into the world where you like don't have a choice. Yeah. And, and I, and I think actually, because that can be applied to any uh, arena, and a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, they 
they are new yoga teachers yeah and they are often very uh, you know humble people who do yoga f- because they want to share their, their love for yoga but they don't want to put themselves out there so yeah. it's funny you say that because i think um have developing that mentality that sometimes you got to do something even though you don't want to do it it serves you well in life because you uh, every other yoga teacher is self-employed yeah and um that's you've got to um be willing to put yourself out there um it, you know f- for you as like a say like as a business person i'm curious because you've got your podcast yeah. you've got your you go around the world teaching workshops you yeah. do the online stuff mm-hmm. um do you, you do teacher training as well mm-hmm. i do it all man <laughs> you, do, you do it all i'm in the i'm in the game on all levels so <laughs> i really am but regular public classes as well oh yeah i have a studio too of course yeah, yeah, yeah. of so, course yeah, we're we're in all facets. Man. It's a it's a it's a machine that is always moving. It, is. <laughs> it really is. I, I like it that way though. I I want to stay busy on many different things. I'm really fortunate with that in terms of my yoga career, where I've been given the opportunity to play my hand in many different fields. I feel like a mm. lot of people in the yoga business side of things only get to play their hand in like one field, like public classes. Mm-hmm. Like that's the most common, wouldn't you say? Like absolutely, yeah you become a yoga teacher and you teach public classes. Mm -hmm. And while that's like a nice thing and it's a good way to start and it's a good way to develop your craft and it's something that I take really seriously. It's part of the reason I still teach public class uh, on a regular basis at my studio. And when I travel even too, I always am trying to pick up classes, not even outside of my workshops because I like the activity of teaching because I'm always trying to refine my craft. Mm. But the ability to be creative in many different ways or create different methods to the way I want to display information is really exciting. Mm. And of all, because uh, Commune Yoga, went, that opened this year, was it? Opened this year. We're, man, like se- ex- we're seven months old. We're a baby. Good for you, man. That's yeah, exciting. Right. <laughs> it's good. It's a good. It's a good vibe. It's cool to do things with your friends, right? So we opened it. Obviously, Carling and myself, and then two of our other friends uh, named Nikki and Dylan, and they we all kind of teach our Awakening Yoga system, and we've added a few other teachers to the mix, and it's really awesome. And it's just like one of these things that's like it's developing its own identity as a studio, and also just as a hub for a practice style or, or unique practice styles, because so often you go places and people are just kind of teaching some form of the same thing and we really don't do that mm. so it's a it's a different take nice yeah um so apart from i mean i'm sure you love commune yoga because it's like your baby and and, and that's um um you know where you're going to see regular students which i think is really nice because then you get to see them develop but what would you say of all them facets that you enjoy the most business uh... facets I love our teacher training programs the most, I yeah, guess, because yeah. I get to work with people in a really intense environment for a month. Yeah. And I'm one of the reasons I got into this is to help people or like the probably the main reason like the, the there's an underlying reason for why you do everything and everyone's your main motivation is much simpler than you think. So people always ask what would I do if I wasn't teaching yoga? And I would say, well, I'd coach basketball. And so yeah. Well, when you're thinking about that, like that's my first immediate, my guttural reaction. I know nothing about the business of being a basketball coach, Mm -hmm. right? Very little. 
but I always say that. And the reason I think that is because I always enjoyed helping people. And so like, that's why I think about with yoga. It's like, I'm, I want to help the people that come and train with us in terms of not only helping them learn new information and teaching and developing their practices, but how they can hone into some of these different business opportunities or how they can craft a life out of being a teacher that's not just the grind of public classes. Like, how Mm. can we create something that's not just the same thing? Because I feel like so many people give you, like, the cookie-cutter approach. Oh, okay, you should teach classes and then get enough of a following. You teach classes and then you teach workshops. And then you teach workshops at a few different studios. Then you run a retreat. And then you run a retreat for a little bit. And then you teach some workshops. And then you get on to some of the teacher training. Or you run your own. Right? It's such a, It's such a simple, basic process. But that doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like not everybody is going to be built for teaching workshops. That may not be their teaching style. Not everyone's going to be built for doing teacher trainings. That's not their teaching style. Not everyone's going to be built for retreats. Like, you have to begin to look at things um, honestly with mm-hmm. who you are, with what you present, and then what you can offer people that's unique and specialized to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also um, confidence is uh, and, and lifestyle. Some people don't have the opportunity to go and teach retreats. Yeah, uh, isn't, they have families at home. They have to, they have to stay. But that's exactly uh, what I mean. Yeah, like, exactly. like you have to like it's it's not only about your talent. It's about being honest about your availability and mm-hmm. your life and like what what you're trying to create because everything that you're doing is creating a lifestyle. Every choice that you make develops a pattern. Every pattern that you create creates a lifestyle over time, and that's kind of how you live. Mm, yeah, yeah. So what's the plan for you then after Dublin? Uh, going to Edinburgh to teach and then going to London and then going to New York and then Rhode Island and then back to L.A. to start a teacher training like two days after getting back. You, okay. <laughs> Seriously, man. That's, like, I'm, I'm trying to tell you like the machine doesn't stop. I, I don't talk about this as much on Instagram because I don't want to be one of those people that's like over promoting how much they work. Yeah. Um, because everyone has their like own work-life balance and trying to fit things into their schedule, but we work a lot. Like we have things going all the time, mm. and it's part of it is because it's what we like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like like not just working, but like I I enjoy the creative process of these trainings and being involved in yoga and being involved in movement and um, you know spirituality and just the aspect of growth. Mm-hmm. What um, that's what I want to talk to you about actually your movement because I love the way in class um, in our workshop yesterday you were talking about end range movement and today we're doing ballistic stretching as well. Yeah. Where, where did you learn all of this? Is I, it in yoga classes or did you go to specific training for this? Oh, definitely not in yoga classes, man. I, a lot of this stuff is uh, self-taught through theories based on what friends have taught me, and then like I. One of my friends is a physical therapist, so like I work with him on some stuff, and I'm trying to create practice patterns and habits for people that you can't ignore or that can't become mindless repetition. Right. So how can I do something mindfully every time or 90% of the time? Mm. And that is where I think a lot of the magic lives in this practice, Mm. but it's so brainwashed into these basic sequences that don't work for 90% of people. And so I really am trying to help evolve where the movement side of yoga is going Mm -hmm. to a more functional standard that can meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. If we can find things that meet people where they are, they can have more success in the practice. And when they can have more success in the practice, they'll be more likely to come back more often. 
and they'll be more likely to grow from their experience. Most people don't exercise three times a week for 20 minutes. In yoga, you're asking people to come three, four, five times, six times a week for an hour, mm. hour 30, hour 15, whatever it is, wherever you teach. That's such a that's such a commitment. But with that commitment, there should be a, a process and a method that allows these practice habits to actually serve the way they're moving their bodies. It's, it shouldn't just be something that's repetitious, that's done before, and so it's, it should be done now. Mm-hmm. You have to honor tradition. You have to see why they did something one way, and then you can understand if it's something you should continue to take forward. Mm. Because the stuff you're, you're teaching and you're integrating it all together is... Um, for example, the compression drills we were doing yeah. yesterday, that's going to help you because you're known for your handstands yeah. and that's part of your, uh, for want of a better word, your attraction, you know, yeah. because people see handstand look so magnificent. Yeah. But if you go to the yoga industry in America, and especially in LA, it's completely different to what it's like in Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> like you would never get someone in, in a teacher saying in class and now take a handstand it just yeah. doesn't happen yeah so you, re- you you never get a chance to practice it yeah and um and i think that um that's a real shame i think we we wish we're we're at the kind of infant stage when it comes to the yoga the yeah. world here we're still um fixed when you do a 200 hour they teach you you know very basic way one warrior two mm-hmm. and there's no movement mobility uh, work that they incorporate and i think that um that's re- people find that interesting because they're realizing that traditional yoga a lot of passive stretching is good to some degree yeah. but in terms of long-term health maybe it's not you know there will come a time where you need to run away yeah. from something or after a bus <laughs> or just in general just moving in general I, I i completely agree with what you're saying not not mainly in, in regards to in regards to the the yoga scene because i can't speak to that as much since obviously i'm not from here i don't live here but what what I do think about is when people are at this earlier stage of development in terms of experience with yoga and when a scene is younger and newer, it's really important to try and put some of these more conscious movement habits into the practice because these people are so moldable. You can do all these different things. Mm-hmm. It's what's one of the amazing parts about having commune is that we opened it in... Uh, this somewhat rural neighborhood in Los Angeles, East Los Angeles, right? Because that's kind of where we live. We live closer to the desert. And so we wanted to open a space that was close to our house. And so many of the people, everything that we're doing is brand new to them. It's so different. And because of that, it really attracts a lot of people. And then other people really aren't sure because it's different from what they've done before. Mm -hmm. When you think about it going forward, we have these this chance to mold and shape people in such a way that allows them to practice competently and confidently in any yoga room, and that's really our goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think incorporating what you're doing, um, the movement side of things, is going to keep keep people safer. I think for longer. Yeah, I completely you're, agree. You're, because they're moving with more integrity. Yeah. Then. For example, the handstand, you fling yourself up there, yeah. you may catch it one out of ten times. But even that simple drill you showed me yesterday, the heel lift step load, that yeah. thing. I mean, I did it six I had six tries, yeah. six handstands. I was like, I, that's the first time ever. Normally I catch yeah. one in five maybe. Yeah. So uh yeah, man, all it these, works, folks. <laughs> all these methods, man, like we test everything. Like we try everything. And I'm and I'm testing 
all this stuff on people all over the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not just like, oh, this is what works for the people that practice with me super hardcore every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is these these are just methods of understanding how to move your body in space that whether you're trying to do handstand or you're just trying to step up in between your hands, if you begin to practice this way, all of a sudden everything begins to open up a lot more in your own way that you're moving your body. And so I think it's really exciting. Yeah. And you were saying yesterday how when you're in certain parts of the world, you have a translator, you know, oh, yeah. the, where, where would you say like going in, I think that's so interesting, um, teaching yoga in a different language and different cultures. Where, where would you say is like the one place in the world where you go and it's the most of a culture shock or the most interesting to go for you? Oh, I don't know about culture shock, but the, one of the funniest things with teaching with a translator was that Carling can not speak, but she lived in Mexico for a like a period of time um, in college, like as a study abroad when she was, I think she minored in Spanish. And so she can hear Spanish really well. She can't speak it very clearly, but she can listen to it. And so mm-hmm. I was teaching at a yoga festival in the Canary Islands. Mm-hmm. The translator was not saying what I was saying at all. And Carling was like, she's not saying what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, that's not what you're saying. And, and, uh, and I said, Hey, like just, uh, cause so I started shortening everything. And so I was just like saying things in like really simple phrases and the person would like talk forever. And she's like, she's just saying her cues for what you're saying for the pose that you were teaching. And I was like, Oh, we're not getting anywhere with that. <laughs> Yeah, man, these are the things you have to deal with, you know, it's it's just part of the game. Uh, culture shocks, honestly, the, the biggest thing that gets me is it's not location-based or language-based, even it's just places that close early. As in where you like, can't get food and... Yes, like just mm. because I function on such um, a later-in-the-day schedule. Mm. So, like, I don't eat until the afternoon, usually. I eat at, like, 1, 5, and 9, kind of. Okay. You know, so you're intermittent fasting. Inter- yeah, not intentionally though. So like I, I've always done this. Oh. This isn't like a a programmed in thing. Okay. Because if, if I was hungry in the morning, I would eat. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not hungry until the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so, it uh, when places close early or they just don't have a lot of food options and things like that, then I get really. I'm just like, what am I going to do? And that, like that, that's the shock to me is mainly just like, how am I going to solve that problem? But language stuff, I'm so used to being in countries where there's limited English and things like that. It's just part of it. But also, like even today, for example, you're essentially teaching for pretty much seven hours like, you know, with a break in between. And you have, I just seen you had a few rice cakes. Like, it's yeah. hard to get decent food. And are you vegan? I'm not. I don't believe in, but I don't okay. believe in. <laughs> oh, it's not that one. No, no, no. It's not, it's not, it's not about it. I don't, I'm not ducking it at all. I, all I'm saying about it is that I, even if I was, I wouldn't say that I was because I don't believe in food-based social identities because all that does is divide people more and more and more. Yes. And I think everything we should be doing should be moving towards trying to understand one another yeah. and uh, appreciate the differences we all have and different viewpoints, but also like coming together for more common goals and nice. food politics only rubs people the wrong way. Nice. So I like hide from food politics, like, like 
just don't. I want nothing to do with it. But I imagine you eat quite clean. You eat well, fresh 100%. food, and that must be so hard to find in certain parts of the world, and because of oh, yeah. closing times and closing times, and certain places just have, I mean, bad food or unhealthy food, or mm. it's just not grown there. Mm. And that's again, that's one of the things that gets really complicated when you travel a lot with food politics. It's like you end up, you know, because I mean, I was vegan for three and a half years, and I've went through stints of, uh, of only eating vegetables and you know things like that or you know being raw and doing all kinds of different food related things and you just are at the mercy of what's available to you Mm -hmm. and when you're traveling sometimes that is french fries and iceberg lettuce and how depressing is that man man. you know like that's that's your food choice (laughs) like if you're if you're really tied to a food politic idea Mm -hmm. and you're like you're sacrificing yourself for for what mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day and like again you, that for what for you may be different than that for what for me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so like you're for what like oh for the culture for the um for the belief system and that's just that's just not my thing really mm-hmm. i think that you know you have to have your own moral compass and and try and have integrity with it and treat people in the world with as much respect as possible and the more you can do that honestly and uh, I think the more things open up for you. Yeah. Um, do you? How long do you see yourself continuing the traveling for? Uh, I won't stop. You won't say. No, man. <laughs> it keeps me open-minded. Like again, like I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the the teaching people all over the world. Um, it's obviously also part of my business, and it's a fun way to see places and to meet people and to do things and to just be connected to the world as a whole as opposed to just the world that I live in Mm -hmm. right yeah you know like where where I'm having my home at the time okay cool man that's a great answer so I'll leave you this last question yeah because you're a busy man and I appreciate your time yeah no problem (laughs) um what do you where do you see yourself in 10 years oh man <laughs> that's like my that's not my closing question now i use <laughs> really is yeah that just what you drop on everybody yeah, it's the job it's my kind of open what, what, question what whatever <laughs> whatever other people said what what did dice say you just uh, had dice on. yeah he said the same what he's doing now yeah so I was like, yes which is a great answer i mean yeah. if you're saying that everything's good isn't it yeah, yeah. I, i'm happy with my life man to be perfectly honest with you like i'm, I'm very happy with the way I'm, what I'm working on, how I'm exploring the creative process, how I'm uh, connected to my relationships with my friends, family, and loved ones. Like I'm really, um, I feel very in tune and very in rhythm with the world as it is right now. And so I feel very fortunate for that. So I think that's my goal overall. It's just like to stay in the rhythm, to like keep my mind open and my eyes open to what's happening to try to try and stay as conscious and aware of uh you know social issues as possible and and try and create a positive impact on the people in my life so i think like that's like if that's through this current path i'm on great but if i feel like there's a another path that where i could be of better service to my overall objectives i would follow it i mean i don't see that right now you know what i mean but 10 years is a long time you know, it's like 4,000 days. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> right, well, it's, I mean, you know what it is, man. It's 3,650 plus or minus a few. Um, so, so you know, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, I, 
as far as I know, I want to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, but this is only what I know. And another 10 years, that's like a quarter of my life. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, when you think about it, even if it's even a third of my life, if you're thinking of it as like, oh, mm. I'm currently in my early 30s. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, <laughs> see, I'm, no flip, I'm flipping the no switch on you at the efficient. end, man. Uh, 10 years, but I'd like to have a family, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to have a couple of kids, misses, um, and live in an eco-village in Tipperary. Look at you. So you're, yeah. you're really... And you grow your own vegetables. Everyone basically shares their own veg. It's the first ever eco-village in Ireland. Nice. There's only a few in, in Europe. Um, so I'm kind of have a bit of a fantasy about that. I suppose. You're trying to have your your uh, your actual commune life. Yeah, I suppose so. It sounds a little bit like be a cult, <laughs> you know. Uh, but well, it is a cult at some level. But everything is a cult at some level. That's true. What yeah. do you say? I mean, like as like, long as bel- I could be the leader, then. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's yeah. better to be the leader or the follower, though? I mean, you know, there's know. always the the balance of the two. I think. I think that uh, when you when you're willing to explore options things you know different perspectives come so i think that's mm. cool i think it's interesting it's so interesting that everyone has such a different um some people can be so specific with things like that mm. and for me I, I could never be that like that specific like oh i really want to be doing this this and this because i don't know what that actually means i i think that just to finish off I, I i think the main thing is that i want more of a connection i live in an apartment now in dublin city in a yeah. nice area mm-hmm. actually in the botanic gardens and but I realize I don't know my neighbors. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, and I don't really care to know them because we don't need each other. Yeah. Whereas I like the idea of going back almost, not hunter gatherer society, but a, back at a step where we actually interact with our neighbors. We grow our own food and you live in a house where you're not tied to electricity bills. It's eco-friendly. So yeah. solar panels, that type of thing. Um, I just, I feel like the older I get, the more alone I feel. Mm-hmm. This has gone quite a bit deep for the end. But no, I, I think it's it, very normal. But it's true, man. You go up in school, you play in teams and stuff. You have like a gang yeah. and then you work in an office, you have a gang and then you become a yoga teacher and it's just you. Yeah. And you meet loads of people and everyone's nice and stuff, but really it's just you. You don't have a team necessarily unless you have your own studio. Um, and I feel that I really miss that camaraderie. So... Um, I think it's very fair, and I agree with you. I think it's one of the things that people don't think about enough when they are in the process of becoming a yoga teacher. Is just that there's a lot of time where you are alone. I mean, I travel alone half the time, and then half the time with Carling and with other people, you know. But there's a lot of times where you like eat alone, and I mean, mm-hmm. like last night I was. Uh, after the workshops, I had like two dinners, you know, I had because I was so hungry. You know, I had like a dinner at seven and a dinner at like nine fifteen. And uh, what's my motivation to to go out and eat? You know what I mean? Because I'm just sitting there by myself. Like I kind of scroll on my phone. I'm like, I don't want to be scrolling on my phone in public. It's kind of boring, mm. you know. And and so, but then I'm like, oh, but I've, everyone's here with somebody. Mm. You know, there's there's that. That sense, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. I can see the, the drive of it. I think one of the be- one of the best things to do, or for me as a yoga teacher, how I've, um, how I've kind of combated that over the years is finding people to practice with. And so, we have similar schedules, and we would just, like practice together a lot. Just two of you, say. Yeah, two, three. Mm. You know, just like a crew of people, and we just like have a practice or. 
like Dice and I do this a lot when we're both in LA at the same time. So we like hang out together, we practice and we rock climb sometimes and do other things. And mm. it's really cool. So it's like you, you're actually not feeling alone in this, mm. in this game. We, you know, we talk about things that we're going through cause you know, um, we live pretty similarly in a lot of respects in terms of we both travel and teach and lead trainings and, you know, do online videos and like, and so it's, it's cool to be able to find someone that I can relate to on those different levels. And so it's, mm. it's nice, I guess. And that, I think that's, but I did that always as a teacher. So I was like, mm. um, a friend of mine outside of Carling who I've always practiced with, which is a real benefit to have someone that you live with, you practice with. But another friend of mine that I used to practice with a lot back in the day was, um, a girl named Mackenzie Miller. And she, mm. uh, she, still teaches around a little bit. She lives in Canada now. She just had a baby about a year ago or so. And then my best friend CJ and I, like he, when I was living in Seattle last, he lived with us and we would practice together all the time. Right. And so like, and he's a yoga teacher in Seattle. And, um, and so we always practice together. And I'm actually just like, when I was just in Seattle this last weekend, we were practicing together the whole time. And it's, it's cool because it, it, it allows you to, um, to not make the pra the process of, being a yoga teacher so individual it allows it to be a shared experience and i think that's been really helpful for me at least yeah that's a good one man i'll, I'll things to think so about yeah, before definitely. you move to your comment <laughs> because again man like if joe doesn't set up the solar panels right then you got to go down and knock on joe's door and be like joe man the solar panels they're not set up right my man what are you gonna do it's true see these are different problems you have to solve versus your neighbor you know, or that you don't need right now. Like you're like, man, I don't, I don't require Ned, my neighbor, to, to you know, yeah, to do anything for me. I think this is, I think this is one of the really funny things about. I guess I'm just running over the time that you Not, want to record this no, podcast. No, man, it's, but, it's, it's, uh, but it's great. But it's, it's funny because I, th I think that it's so easy to villainize modern society, especially being in an alternative society niche like yoga, like spirituality, like anything that's outside of the normal. Which is, uh, which the normal in America and Europe essentially, which is uh, sports, beer, and Jesus, right? So if you're like outside of that, you're kind of in this like, where where do I fit in? Kind of bubble, and so you're like, ah, modern society. I don't know if I vibe with it, and that's totally cool. Like, don't vibe with it. Be a tyrant to modern society a little bit, but remember always that modern society is a hundred percent built for human convenience like 100%. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not built for anything else. It's built for human convenience and consumption, right? Everything about modern society mm. is to make your life easier. Yeah. Everything about it. And to a fault. I'm not saying it's like perfect. It's definitely far from perfect. But, far. But I think you're right. I think that's really interesting how... I may move there, but have a new set of problems. I still got problems, but just a new set of problems. Just and, a new set. And yeah. you know, sometimes people, I know how I know friends who'd be like, if I just move to London, I'll be happier. Mm -hmm. If I move to wherever, I'd be happier. And they're essentially running away from the fact they could make their life better where they are. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think you're right. There's no, it's not gonna, you know, as you said, with the solar panels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, <laughs> you, no matter where you go, you are who you are, right? So, mm. like, solving you and being happy with you is the key to being happy anywhere you are. I mean, this is something that I've worked through a ton, man, like a ton, a ton, as because I felt that, like, when I was more successful as a yoga teacher, 
um, financially I would be happier. And when that started to happen, it, it didn't really change for a little bit. I still had a lot of the same issues that I was going through as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure out how I could step back from those things and become happy with what I was doing and with myself. Mm. And then after that, and it's again, it's an ongoing process, man. It's, it's not like, it's like, Oh, I'm like always perfect or saved or anything like that. But when you can be content with what you're doing, with what you're putting out there with, with what you're giving of yourself and it's bringing you joy, then all of a sudden you can be comfortable in almost any situation. I think that's really cool. Yeah. There's a lot to think about, isn't it? Before you, And it's good, though. It's good to... I think that's a really interesting point you made. Um, to Modern life is built for convenience, and sometimes we seek struggle, you know. We, yeah. we seek that uh, to build that... Um, um, there's an interesting book by Sebastian Younger called Tribe, which talks about... Um, people that come back from the military yeah. and what they miss is not the whole PTSD yeah. is not they I mean people that have been to the military say if um, the PTSD actually comes from not what they've seen abroad but what they come back to mm-hmm. and um, and I think um, you there are ways around it like you said you know you have your little crew uh, that you do your practice with and you've got to make that effort haven't you it's almost like you you have all your business ventures not talking about you in particular but yeah. but you have to also invest in your social ventures mm-hmm. as, as well for want of a better word you know call your friend when, when they call you make sure you pick up i'm, yeah. I'm bad for that i'm like oh i'm really yeah. busy now <laughs> and then i don't c- call them back uh, and then you know a few months later i realize i haven't seen them for a while and it's my fault and yeah. I've noticed myself slipping there. Man, every, everything... Uh, I'm a huge Gaslight Anthem fan uh, because I think there's a lot of really, really good underlying lyrics that have like, really spoken to me. And it's not even like the, the emphasis of the whole song, so it's just like underlying lyrics. And on one of their songs, which I honestly don't even like that much in terms of the, the whole catalog of music that they have. But um, he says, all I, think, all I seem to find is that everything has changed. And essentially what that means is anything you commit to, you're somewhat chained to it, right? So if you have a, a job, you're somewhat chained to that job. You're chained to interacting in the way that you need to with that job. The same goes with your friendships and your relationships, right? If you want to keep those friendships and relationships, you have to be chained to them in a way. You have to serve them in a, in a way and have them serve you in a way too. And it has to be mm-hmm. a mutual situation in order for it to thrive and succeed. And if you aren't willing to participate in it, then it's you know, you're, you're not chained to it anymore. You're free. Congratulations. But you also are free from friends or you're free from a job or you're free from whatever it is. And there's always this balance between freedom and structure that we're all constantly battling with, right? Like how can I be in a fully, how can I feel safe, supported structure? How can I feel adventure, excitement, freedom? Mm. And the, when you begin to play those lines more forwards and backwards, you find what works for you. But if you're sitting too much in one side or the other, it's easy to get skewed. Yeah. And I think that, that I need to call that friend now (laughs) because I know he's actually going for a hard time. And, uh, and I was a bit like, this is kind of hassle. I'm busy this weekend. And you know, it's terrible, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to say to yourself, in relationships, yeah. friendships, sometimes you have to sit there, not have to, but you should sit there, listen, because you sometimes you'll, you'll need that. Yeah. And um, 
I've just become so preoccupied with like um, podcast, this, that, and the other, yeah. trying to get go, get keep going, 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 and forgetting about people like even family that I sh- should spend more time with. So, man. good chat, <laughs> great chat. We dove at the Ooh, end. We're, we're rolling. Deep. Um, Patrick, thanks so much, man. No problem. That's Appreciate great. you having me on. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to myself and Patrick chat away in the car. Uh, next week, I have Keane McGregor. Oh, yeah. So for all the Ashtangis out there, um, I recommend listening to that one. Uh, she was delightful person, um, real good fun, really interesting. So tune in next week. That's Thursday, every Thursday, with a new episode. As always, if you liked it, please review iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, leave it five stars. And if you got any, if, if it's worth five stars, obviously. And if you have any questions, feedback, even someone you'd like to see featured as a guest, let me know. I'm also thinking of doing um, podcasts more on my own. So just me. So you'd uh, be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, have a great week. Look after yourself practice well and take care.